you okay? Yeah, of course I'm okay. Why wouldn't I be okay? Oh, every time I see you, it's like you're... What? You're a rush, a mistake. How was you? Sorry I'm late. Who are you having dinner with? I can't keep doing this. I can't do it. The next few days are all about you. I promise. I'm the new caretaker, John Smith. Welcome to call him, Mr. Smith. Thanks. Problem. Solution. Destroy. Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. I'm Aaron DeLosa. And I'm Ben Noyes. Oh, and Ben is feeling slightly better. Better enough to (laughs) record with us. Uh, I've got a load of codeine coursing through my veins, so if anything gets weird, that's why. Okay. That may be why. (laughs) And uh, we couldn't have picked a worse television show to discuss then, because it's it's hard to get weirder sometimes than Doctor (laughs) Who. So if you start tripping in the middle of the show... Uh, if you start seeing things or uh, just start making up words, we will understand. It's okay. Um, I, I, I think all of us are suffering from one degree or another from uh, one sort of. But well, Aaron, you said you had you got some allergies going on, so yeah. Like uh, but, I said, man, plight of the nerd. But, That's all I'm suffering from right now. <laughs> but nonetheless, suffering abounds on the on the Who Made Who podcast this week. Uh, before we jump in. To this week's episode, Ben, I wanted to get your quick thoughts on uh, on Listen and Time Heist since you weren't here to uh, uh, mm-hmm. discuss those episodes. So, uh, what would you think? Uh, well, you were right. Uh, I, I listened back when you guys were talking about Listen. I, I have such an issue with that distracting bloody thing with the um, whatever it might or might not have been under the blanket. Right. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was really distracting and unnecessary. But people have whinged so much about that online. I'm not gonna. Just go on about that myself. Uh, but it couldn't have been. I, I think you were saying I think we're supposed to conclude it's um, just another kid. Um, I don't think so, unless said other kid was capable of vanishing in right. blue flash. Well, and I also think... had what appeared to be the head of, of, of a Centauran, rather weirdly. Right. Well, <laughs> that's one of the things we were mentioning is um, I think that's what you're supposed to just, uh, you know, in your mind, assume that it was. But the scene, they had to set it up. Uh, because they, there was no reveal that this was all in the doctor's head and it was all Clara's fault, um, that he's even going through this whole crazy, uh, this whole crazy wacky adventure. Uh, they had not revealed any of that yet, so they had to treat it like there was something there, uh, which is obviously where the confusion comes in. There was never any explanation for what you saw otherwise. Even blurred, yeah. it looked like something not human. And then, of course, the blue flash and everything um aaron and i however did conclude i believe that if it was a kid that it was the creepiest kid yeah all for time. sure no i heard that yeah no I, I agree um i think aaron did you call him a sick little fuck or something, something i think like you're that. right <laughs> yeah. something along those lines. spot spot on Thank you, sir. um what was uh what's the next episode no, time heist time heist now there was an episode um that for me was a, a measure of um, magnitude better than listen, which I know is contrary to popular opinion, but um, it was a nicely self-contained story. It had the sort of um, the sort of chasing menace, which is uh, kind of classic who sort of a hallmark. Right. Um, and actually, I think it was it was really a strong, strong Capaldi episode. I'd said that uh, listen was the episode in which Capaldi felt like he'd snapped into character for me, and it was. Uh, that was epically compounded by Time Heist. Uh, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a great episode. It felt. Um, if I were going to make any criticism, the cyborg guy, Cy, uh, I right. think felt a little bit kind of children's BBC spin-off series. It felt a bit more like the Sarah Jane Adventures than it mm-hmm. did uh, Doctor mm-hmm. Who. But you know, they're from the same stable. I guess it's fine. Right. Uh, but no, it was it was a good episode. And just a, a word to the uh, to the effects people and the costume people for the. Um, uh what was it called the teller yes um that i mean that's i mean watching it in hd uh and everything's got to be made these days for that sort of quality visual as well because Mm -hmm. 
you know, we're not watching through crappy old CRT screens. That was incredible. I noticed on Doctor Who Extra over here, the, the sort of extra 20-minute thing we get on uh, BBC Three, um, that Capaldi was saying on it, it was, you know, by far and away the best special effect he's seen on the show because, he's, you know, you're standing in front of it and it just looks real. Yeah, right. I mean, as Aaron will tell you, I, I could not stop gushing about that, uh, mm. about that design. I mean, I'm just totally in love with that design. It, it just looked absolutely incredible like i i was convinced there was some cg elements to it or something because it just looked too perfect to me like that looks it looked you know it's like i've seen costume design and and uh you know the rubber monster suits that are you know because today's day and age you can really do that really well uh but even that just it just looked too good i it 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 might be the the coolest looking thing i've seen on the show just because it it really felt you know, alive to me, which, you know, not to say that other things haven't, but uh, for some reason that just sticks in my mind, like, uh, uh, severely. So I'm, I'm hoping they might reappear at some point just cause, uh, the look, oh, it, it, so it'll cool. be back. It'll be back. I'm guessing they spent a lot of money on that costume because yeah, they don't want to, they don't want to um, put it to waste. Yeah. Unless that's going on a fucking huge auction somewhere. I'm yeah. guessing that's going to show again. Uh, but looking in the BBC, um, extra thing for it, the yeah, I don't think I don't think there was anything in the way of CG there. That was just costume and uh, yeah, uh, I guess the guy puppeteering and, and everything else. I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah, just kudos. Um, score? Do you have scores in your head for either of those two episodes? Yeah, I'm a bit unfair, I suppose, for the first one for listen. <laughs> I did say, well, I know because I discussed it with you on on Facebook, hadn't I, Anthony? And I'd said that it was, in some respects, a great episode because it was, you know, the first one that I really felt Capaldi was the Doctor, but then this bloody distracting huge elephant in the room. Right. Um, so what are we out of five, aren't we? Um, I think probably for Listen, it was so distracting and so irritating. I'm going to say two, which is really harsh, but there it is. That is incredibly um, harsh, yes. But... It, it is, but that was the level of anger I felt about it. Um Whereas for Time Heist, I'm going to say it's a pretty square four and a half. Right. Time Heist. Classic Who right there. Yeah, Time Heist, it felt, uh, for me at least, it kind of harkened back to like a a, a Tennant episode, like a Russell T. Davies uh, style episode. And I I thought it just worked uh, really well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For us, Aaron and I both really liked Listen in spite of the kind of the the weirdness they left us with. Yeah. I, I think the thing that we kind of enjoyed a lot was how they tie or they tied together uh, that whole barn scene with Clara mm. and and little doctor with oh, uh, with the war doctor and all that. So I think that 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 was clever. Yeah, that's true. Right, and um and and you know it's a and it was a typical Stephen Moffat episode. There was a you know he likes his uh he likes his time loops. Uh, but don't you think this is the annoying thing about Moffat is the fact that he will put one of the biggest sort of plots. Uh, or character developments that we've seen in Doctor Who for a long time uh, in that origin story element of it. Right. And he puts it into an episode that felt like the writing for for a significant element of it had been done on the back of a, you know, on the back of a cigarette packet. It, it just, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I just want to strangle that man sometimes. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, and obviously every, every, uh, every showrunner is going to have their, their, their positives and their negatives for sure. And, you know, that's, that's one of his things. I mean, and sometimes he has a, a a tendency to to put out big questions, and you know he doesn't Damon Lindel off it where you you never get like an answer. Uh, but you know sometimes the answers aren't exactly what you're expecting in your head. Um, I, I think we've mentioned it before with the uh, the whole uh, silence and the exploding TARDIS and all that stuff. Kind of mm. um, there was not a there was I think people were expecting a really big answer to all of that and it was really kind of like a a swept under the rug answer of um you know oh all that stuff that happened here here's why it happened real quick now let's move on uh i turned into comic book guy i realize that as i hear your perfectly rational explanation of the situation (laughs) i have turned into comic book guy worst episode ever thank you very much (laughs) um let me see here. So what are we on now? Uh, episode, is this episode six? I want to say six. Yeah. Series eight entitled caretaker. So let's, uh, let's hop into, uh, what we saw in this episode real quick. Uh, we start out with, uh, this is kind of like, a, a 
sort of a, a Clara centric story in a sense, uh, where we get a montage of her and the doctor going through a, a whole series of adventures while we're intercutting this with her trying to balance uh, all of this craziness with her uh, relationship with uh, with Danny Pink. Uh, and as as the montage progresses, it's becoming more and more difficult uh, for her to to not keep the secret from him. I'm not getting the sense, but to just keep up the charade that uh, that this is it's just getting tougher and tougher for her to do all of this and have it make any sense. Um, she does eventually kind of convince herself that, yeah, she can she can handle this. And uh, she she hops into the TARDIS one day ready for her next adventure uh, when the doctor informs her that, uh, no, she cannot accompany him uh, this time. And it's 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 a secret why she can't do it. He's, he's got to go undercover and uh, she just can't come with him on this uh, particular adventure. Uh, so she goes off to school uh, for her day at work uh, with Danny Pink. They go into the. Uh, uh, to the, I, I don't I don't do they call it something other than a teacher's lounge in England? It's a um here, what here is the, the word for that. Hang on a minute, there is a word for it. Uh, we just call it the teacher's lounge here. Oh, no, we we just call it the staff room here. Okay, the staff that's close enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, for the for their morning meeting and uh, uh, in walks the new caretaker John Smith, <laughs> uh, who is deeply deeply undercover so much so. That he's like, uh, the name's John Smith, but most people just call me the doctor. And he winks at uh, Clara. And his, his undercover outfit is he's changed his coat. Uh, and he's he, got a brush. And he does have a brush. Uh, he has not changed his pants or shoes or his undershirt, I believe, as well. In fact, he may not have even taken off his actual coat because you can see, like, the black cuffs kind of, like, coming through the, um, the caretaker jacket that he's wearing. Um, so the doctor is undercover in the school, and uh, this, of course, has terrified Clara. Uh, number one, because there might be aliens and the school might be uh, in danger. But I think maybe more importantly in her mind at this point is that the doctor is going to run into Danny Pink, and uh, she does not want these two worlds to meet whatsoever. <laughs> um, we then cut to uh, a policeman who... Uh, meets uh runs into some kids who i believe might be skipping out of class uh, and sort of sends them on her way when he when he hears a sound and goes investigating into what i believe is the original scrapyard uh right by coal hill school where we meet the doctor for the very first time well uh, in the in the very first episode of uh, normally well i had the uh, i had the inkling when he went in through the gate and i'm like i think that might be the scrapyard uh but there is a scene later when uh, the doctor goes goes in there, and as soon as he walks through the gate, he goes home sweet home. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well, that that's the giveaway for sure. Uh, but I thought that was great uh, yeah. to take us back there. And uh, the policeman runs into our our uh, I want to say the villain, but it's really more of a MacGuffin for this episode. He doesn't he's not really a true it's not really a true villain. Um, <laughs> but it's called the Scovox Blitzer, which is that's uh, so cool looking, man. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just a uh, it looks like a weird. Uh, spider machine thing. If it looks Cyberman, like it's if in... a Cyberman mated with the uh, the bugs from Starship Troopers, <laughs> kind of. Or uh, did you? You guys have got Robot Wars, or did have in the nineties? Yeah? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, we had a, a house robot on the on the version of the show here called uh, what's his name, Sir Killalot. Oh, I love that a, name. What a That's great awesome. name! It's an awesome <laughs> name, isn't it? And he really looks quite a lot like this, uh, like this Blitzer. Uh, and the uh, uh, the Blitzer completely uh, they they uh, immediately uh, raise the threat level of this thing is not only does it shoot the police officer uh, but apparently completely uh, disintegrates this man and turns him into ash. Uh, what time just... was this airing in the states? Because in the UK it had to go out at eight thirty because presumably of the, the aired... severed hand and things. This airs at. This airs at 9 p.m. every single week on BBC America here. So, uh, right. um, which, which, by the way, can raise a, a point that uh, some other articles mention, and I'll, I'll bring it up after we've uh, finished uh, discussing the episode. Um, so, uh, Clara is. Uh, we go back to the school. Clara is uh, wholly distracted uh, by the doctor's presence in the school, trying to figure out what it is that he's doing, 
is everybody going to be safe? The doctor's not really giving her much information. Um, she's so distracted that she's agreeing to do things and, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, having, I guess, absent-minded conversations with, uh, with colleagues. She's not really paying much attention other than the fact that the doctor is, is, uh, is getting into mischief and, uh, is running into Danny Pink more often, I think, than, than she would like. And they're having conversations, uh, which by the way, kind of, uh, we run into the, the doctor's running gag for the whole episode as he's having a conversation with Danny Pink finds out that not only is he a math teacher, but he's a soldier, which the doctor cannot conflate in his head and presumes that Danny Pink must be a, a physical education teacher and calls him PE like almost the entire episode uh, because he can just not he, he just can't imagine that a soldier could also uh, teach something as sophisticated as uh, as mathematics. Um, the doctor uh, uh, doesn't at least on the surface, seem to realize that uh, Danny Pink is the person that Claire is in the relationship with. In fact, uh, <laughs> he uh, he sees Claire talking to another teacher who who happens to have a lot of Matt Smith like qualities. Uh, the the bow tie, the the kind of the same like quaff of hair that Matt Smith has, uh, and assumes that these are the two people that are in the relationship because of of course uh, I used to look a lot like that so. Uh, he presumes that this is the happy couple, and he is more than pleased uh, with with Clara's choice. Well, I mean, in all fairness, too, she was she looked a little friendly chatting to that guy. Oh yeah, sure. So I don't think you know he didn't from from his standpoint. I mean, you know, it, it made sense. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so he he kind of put it together in his head in that regard. Um, so the doctor um, eventually uh, starts putting his plan together. He knows about the Blitzer. That is why he is here. And uh, he also knows that, um, while it's not explicitly mentioned, um, I do believe that if you know a bit about Doctor Who and you do read into it a little bit, it's pretty clear, I believe, that he is the reason it's even here in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> um, that he mentions there's been a lot of... I, I forget the term he uses for the type of activity that's been going on. Some kind of a, an, an, an emission. I, read it. I didn't... Pick up the first word he said. It uh, begins with A. I can't remember. Um, yeah. I, read, Art, I made a note of it. Artron or something? Yeah, something like that. They've, they've used that. Oh, uh, Artron emissions. That's it. Right. Which, um, which they've mentioned before. Right. Right. And I believe in Who Lore, I think they've. it's been noted that the Doctor is the only thing that creates those things. Probably, I'm guessing by his presence of the TARDIS uh, and traveling through time. And he says there's a lot of it, which obviously would be his fault for traveling to yeah. Earth so many times. Um, so without really... And that's, well, that's where he crashed the first time, of course, in theory, because that's the school that Susan went to, isn't it? Right, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that I mean, it's pretty much the reason why he's... Uh, pretty much the reason why the Blitzer is there in the first place. Uh, there's kind of this little subplot with uh, one of the students whose name uh, escapes me at the moment. It's like... A, Courtney... Courtney something. Um... Yeah, the name the name the name escapes escapes me, but um, it, it I'm also, in my thirties, so whenever I hear the name Courtney, I always assume the next name out of my mouth is going to be Love, but that's the wrong one completely. No, it was uh, Courtney Woods. That's it. Courtney Woods. It was definitely not Courtney Love in this episode. That'd be a whole different story. Oh, it'd be cool. well, she was on Sons of Anarchy, though. So she was absolutely. <laughs> um, the uh, it also led because uh, he had this. He's having this this uh, little subplot interaction with with this student who is probably just about as mischievous as the doctor, as it seems. Um, but it leads to my favorite visual uh, of the entire episode. It's that the doctor in his, uh, in his caretaker cupboard has put up a sign that says, go away humans, uh, which I thought was awesome. It's one of my, never get angry halfway through writing a sign, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, so I, I lost my place here. Where, where are we at? Um, okay, so um, the the doctor uh, kind of reveals what's going on to Clara here a little bit. Tells her about the Blitzer. Uh, lets her know that this thing is uh, really dangerous. If it runs into any humans that might attack it, it's going to kill them and then probably just start targeting all humans. It's, it's capable of destroying the entire planet all on its own, uh, and it needs to be stopped. So he's he's planting devices all around the school uh, to create some sort of time vortex to to trap it, uh, hurl it into the future, a billion billion years or something like that to to keep it away from, uh, to keep it away from everybody, make everything safe. 
once again, lets her know that he's got a, a new piece of a new piece of tech on him. It, it looks like maybe a, a Casio wristwatch from the uh, the 1980s with a calculator or something on it, but uh, also makes Whatever it. Whatever it is, I can't wait for the replicas because I'm going to buy two. Oh yeah, with like the stretchy. It looked like it had like one of the old stretchy metal armbands or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Even I would sure. imagine, given how many of them there are, it's probably a Samsung smartwatch. There's bound to be one that does that somewhere. Uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> and it, it also makes him invisible, and that's how he is planning on uh, uh, getting around the uh, the Blitzer without it without it noticing him. So it's going to lure him in and uh, and and take care of business. Um, so uh, as this is. Uh, as this is all about to go down, there is a scene where Danny Pink discovers one of the doctor's devices and accidentally changes one of the settings on it. And uh, as the doctor is about to uh, to trap it, uh, all all the bad things converge at once. As uh, the doctor is in the auditorium with the Blitzer, with Danny and the devices, and he manages to to hurl it in time, but not very far. And uh, so the danger is not yet over. Uh, of course, uh, there is no hiding things now between Clara, Danny, and the doctor as she kind of has to explain uh, all of this, which is not easy. Um, she tells him that he's a Time Lord, that he's an alien, that she's not an alien, but they travel through time and space. And he's got a TARDIS, which is bigger on the inside, and and all of that jazz. Um the uh, the doctor kind of realizes that Danny is the person she is in the relationship with, uh, which immediately sours the doctor because he does not like physical education teachers or uh, <laughs> uh, or soldiers soldiers whatsoever. And um, this leads to Claire trying to sneak Danny on to the TARDIS uh, to uh, you know to to try to show him that the doctor's not all bad. Uh, the doctor knows that he's there, and uh, things do not go so smoothly. As uh, as Danny Pink notices, at least from his perspective, that he's definitely a soldier, but the doctor is like an officer. He's the guy that uh, that orders the soldiers around to do all of the 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 dirty work. The doctor. He's the war pig. Right, right, right. Um, they do not get along very well whatsoever uh, and things are not going so smoothly as the doctor is trying to formulate another plan he is determined when the blitzer is going to be returning it's only a couple of days away uh and he has to formulate this new plan uh as it turns out the the blitzer is returning it, it seems just in time for some parent teacher conferences at the uh at, at cole hill uh so yeah not not great timing but he does uh he steals Clara away and enough time to he to you know, require her help. She's going to need to uh to kind of lure uh the Blitzer uh, towards the Doctor and Danny Pink is following her the whole time, even though the Doctor wants her to have nothing to do with it, uh, wants him to have nothing to do with it. Uh, but of course, as one might expect, uh, Danny Pink ends up being the one to save the day uh, after the Doctor is having some trouble with his uh. His, I don't know what it would be, a Scovox Blitzer uh, uh, language manipulator thing. It allows him to talk to the Blitzer, I guess, in a language the Blitzer understands. Um, it's that slash proton pack. Uh, it looks. Oh, like I, I'm glad you said that. It Look, did certainly have a touch of proton pack about it. I loved it? it so much because we because we did we did talk on uh, I believe in in listen about uh, we compared the uh, the memory. Uh, the memory foam in the TARDIS to uh, the pink slime or whatever from mm-hmm. uh, from Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've which seen... I should say was responsible for me then rewatching Ghostbusters too. By the way, thanks for that, guys. I, I watched it this week too, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, no problem. Um, and uh, Danny Pink comes in to save the day. He distracts the the Blitzer just in enough time for the Doctor to uh, input the proper code to shut it down. Um, it's good to know that the British Army teaches uh, gymnastics and tumbling. Oh yeah, I mean uh, that dude could move. <laughs> and think, uh, incredible height on on that front flip uh, over the blitzer uh, is absolutely incredible. Um, Which leads, incidentally, and we'll no doubt come back to it, but um, seeing as I'm back, I'm going to raise again stupid rumor of the week. Okay. Uh, stupid rumor of the week relates to that. Okay. Um, and uh, the uh, 
the thing that we are kind of left with at the end here, after they've uh, disposed of the Blitzer, we have Danny and Clara having this conversation where even though the doctor uh, seems to like Danny Pink more than he did uh, when he first met him, um, Danny does not seem to trust the doctor uh, at all and still doesn't seem to like the type of person he is, which again is uh, a running theme so far. It's uh, mistakes the doctor has made, and is he a good person? And uh, he's making Clara promise him that if things go bad, she won't hesitate to say something to him or, or do something about it. Um, and he seems to have the inclination that something might. Uh, and we, we conclude the episode with uh, our, uh, our scrapyard officer uh, kind of... We joined mid-conversation with... Uh, with another guy in a really big white room and uh, our officer is quickly realizing that he did not survive his encounter with the Blitzer and, and wants to know where he is. Uh, at which point uh, the man he is talking to says, depends on the name you want to use uh, the afterlife, the promised land. He, he said his favorite is the, uh, what is it? The nether sphere or the nether space. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's when we see Missy walk out of one of the doors and gives them a, uh, a glance and uh, he said to not mind her. She's been really busy uh, lately. And that's kind of where we, we leave off with that episode. So we, we've gone right back to, uh, to throwing it in your face that this is an important thing uh, with Missy and uh, the promised land or whatever it is. And uh, we're going to find out more about that. I'm sure as the series rolls on. So Aaron, I want to, uh, hop in with you real quick. What did you think of uh, the caretaker episode? I liked it. It uh, it was still kind of uh, in the vein of a, of a tenant uh, episode. I mean, only because you know they he was at school so many times uh, himself. But it, you know, it was a very fun episode. Uh, it, it was a, a fun episode in regards where you know it, it was almost like its own story, but it's still there were so many connections and so many things in it that moved the plot of you know the whole series forward. I mean, it. Uh, Mm-hmm. Top to bottom, you know, fantastic. I, uh, I I loved every every minute of it. Um, quick question about this because I'm this is this is this is bugging me. Um, there's a scene right after Danny learns the truth of the doctor, where he and Clara are in uh, what I presume is his apartment, and he seems pretty upset that Clara did not just come right out front and divulge this information to him in the first place. He seems really upset that she would hide this information from him. Um, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just coming from somebody who's watched the show for so long, but if I were in his shoes, I'd, I'd kind of get why she wouldn't tell me. I mean, wouldn't, I mean, if you're dating this girl that you really like, and she seems like she's constantly running herself ragged and she's so busy. And, uh, sometimes she shows up with a tanned face after earlier in the day, she looked completely normal or she shows up completely drenched. Or, you know, whatever. She totally seems like she's living another life or something, uh, even in your head, if that's what it is. And then she comes to you one day and she just outs herself as, okay, here's the real story why I'm so busy all the time. I met an alien who travels in a police box and we go all through time and space and we're constantly having adventures, and he brings me back minutes before uh, I am about to go on dates with you, and that is why it seems like I'm always out of breath and always tired, and why I'm always busy. Uh, and apparently, he, he thinks in his head his reaction would be, oh, thanks for telling me, not, you're crazy, uh, I'm terrified, I'm dumping you, and I'm going to get some sort of court order uh, restrictive access, you have to be like 100 feet away from me at all times. Like, isn't that the reaction a normal person would have if she just came out and told him? My reaction would have been, uh, let's get married, go jump on that fucking spaceship and go, <laughs> you know, go somewhere. Uh, that, to me, would have been the normal reaction. But yeah, he, uh, I mean, he, he's obviously, you know, he, he's got to have issues, you know, as a person who grew up the way he did. And we know he's been through war. I mean, might be right. some PTSD in there or something like, dude's clearly got, you know, some stuff that's not straight in his head. So, I mean, maybe, you know, to him, he sees that it's just like such a, a huge, you know, uh, you know, breach of his trust. I mean, it's just maybe it's, right. it was, it's almost unforgivable for him. So maybe as a normal person, he might have reacted differently, but you know, maybe there's, they're going to get a little deeper into this guy's background and we're going right. to 
you know, I, I they'll, they'll give like him this. a little more to work with than what they did, you know, Rory. Not that, you know, Rory's character wasn't fleshed out and fantastic, but I mean, he was around forever. I mean, his, his first, you know, season was kind of, kind of bullshit. You know, maybe they're getting, uh, going to get us turned on to someone else, uh, you know, sooner. Sure. Uh, I, I think there's something a little bit sinister about uh, Danny's character as well. Because a little bit, yeah. Right? He, yeah, he, uh, in that scene, um, and this is something I've seen Moffat do before, that it's a bit more obvious on this occasion than previously. Um, he's really making, the, the real reason that Danny is, is pissed at Clara, he seems to brush off the, oh, you didn't tell me thing. And the thing he's really pissed about is the fact that it's deprived him the chance to be effectively her protector, her right. hero, her whatever else. Oh, yeah. And he, he gets really kind of aggressive with her about that. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, now Moffat has always written fairly, um, well, very strong female characters in uh, in his tenure as, uh, as the showrunner. In fact, so did uh, Russell Davis, of course. Um and I'm wondering whether they're setting us up to dislike Danny because something is going to happen with him. Well, I mean, you know, like he told her in the episode, he's like, you know, if you ever push you too far, tell me. Like, you know, like like he's going to step yeah. like step up to the doctor. You know what I mean? It's just right. There's a very weird dynamic. They're uh, they're laying the groundwork for, so it's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely different. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it feels very different from the the Rory and Amy one, where Rory was kind of he kind of grew into a. I hesitate to call him a badass. They're definitely. Oh, moments. I wouldn't. I, he I, was likable and sturdy, wasn't he, Rory? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, well, I mean, there were there were moments. Well, th- he definitely had some moments of of badassdom for yes. sure. But uh, and he kind of grew into that though, because it sort of started with him as sort of like the weak link of the of the three, where he was just sort of like, okay, you can have really long, probably overly long hugs with this other good-looking guy who you've obviously chosen to spend a lot more time with than the man you're marrying. Like, I mean, and obviously they solidify the relationship really strongly as well, but um, you know, it it is kind of the opposite. Like he, uh, Danny Pink sort of does come off more as like an elf. Like they sort of, I hate to use the term alpha male because I never, I don't really think of the doctor as, you know, an alpha male, I guess. But in that, in that regard, they're both, you know, they, they're both strong, male uh protective type characters in that regard and uh, yeah I, I... Where, where it's different though is that um rory in fact what was uh what was rose's boyfriend called i forgot his name now mickey mickey, mickey yeah smith yeah. so i mean mickey again started as the kind of useless one and then eventually you know took his place in uh unit i think it was eventually and so oh, on right right, right. Um, yeah yeah and then you've got Rory, who, again, started as the useless one built into this other character. With Danny, they've kind of led in fairly early on with him being a bit of a smug prick. Right. The number of times in this episode where he sort of, I mean, when he proves his point against the Doctor, um, with the, you take a look, Clara, that's who he really is. And then he does this really annoying grin that you just think, I'd quite cheerfully punch you. Um, <laughs> right. I, I just get the feeling that there's a non-too-subtle setting up of us not to get too attached to Danny. Right. Um, I mean, I'm finding the... Uh, and, and yeah, as you noted with Mickey Smith, because as soon as you mentioned it, it rung true in my head, because there was this episode um, where they where they reintroduced Sarah Jane and uh, Canine, and that's what Mickey Smith realized, like, that was his role. He's like, I'm the robot dog in this movie. I'm the dog. Yeah. I'm the dog, yeah. He's like, I'm the robot dog. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is this is very different, and I, I've got to applaud though the the at least in the development of the characters. I I've found all three of them. Uh, Danny Pink has obviously come on a little bit later because they've been slowly introducing the character, uh, but I've found the development of all three of those characters to be really strong so far, and uh, they really have completely branched Clara out from where she was with Matt Smith, where we talked about before, where she was essentially you know you know her name was clara but she was essentially the impossible girl and the season was built around why is she impossible and uh you know how is she here how is she doing the things that she's done and et cetera, et cetera. she was the mystery for that season um and she was less of a a stand on her own uh flushed out developed character and now she feels more like uh a, a fully realized character to me and uh, of course, Peter Capaldi, who's been great since he started, but he's, yeah, as as you said, he's in the last couple of episodes, he's really come in 
to his own. Uh, and is there is there anything else in particular, or scenes or anything that really stuck out to you in this episode? Uh, there were lots of little nods, um, which they're doing a lot of this series. Uh, the reference to "I used to have a teacher just like you." Of course, well, we know that she, we know that he did because we've seen Clara as a teacher on Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just little little bits that they like to have fun with. Um, a couple of good little lines. They'd I'm trying to think really what uh, what parts of it. It, it. it was a it was a good package of an episode. Um, and you're right. I mean, the the Blitzer was uh, it was there to give the rest of the plot something to hang on, but it it wasn't really a a big deal. Right. Um, I, I'm I'm just I'm becoming fascinated by Danny. Um, I it kind of leads into the 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 kind of stupid rumor of the week thing, but. Um, oh yeah, hit, hit us with the uh, the dumb rumor. Okay, so dumb rumor of the week. Danny is either well, he's either a robot or a, a, effectively a next generation Cyberman. He's already dead, and he is clockwork basically. <laughs> okay, so wow. where, where's H- hence, the hence the jump? And apparently, if you go back and listen to uh, which episode was it? The one um, where they're in the restaurant and the. Uh, uh, and other um, other pink arrives in space suit. Uh, which one was that in? Orson Pink in uh, Listen. Yeah, yeah in Listen, Listen, that's right. Um, apparently you can hear during the moment when they're sat at the table talking to each other, when he leans forward, somewhere buried in the sound there is a load of clockwork ticking, hmm. um, which I've gone back to try and listen to, but only literally just before we uh, started recording, and I, I couldn't quite hear it from... Uh, from the crap version I was listening to. But then there are bits about it that make sense. It would tie into the overarching story arc with Missy. Because sure. if if Danny is a reanimated person by the Cybermen or something similar, then the reason they'd be harvesting um, the dead and reanimating them would be part of that. Uh, and the connection to the Doctor being, of course, that all of those were people who the Cybermen hadn't killed. He can't have a moral objection to them being given their new lives because he killed them in the first place indirectly right because he's Uh, been responsible for all of the deaths that have led to us seeing the you know the 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 reanimated corpse in the promised land i I thought you were just going to mention the fact that there's been like uh out of the six episodes i think four or five of them have all had some sort of robot in them Mm -hmm. uh which would also seem like i mean i I think it's and the clockwork in the title sequences of course as well of course i mean and that's a really heavy uh, note as well, uh, and I've heard Moffat talk about how um, how he really loved that, and uh, he said it was one of the most. Uh, uh, I think he says something like one of the most inspiring uh, opening title sequences he's seen in a while because he felt like nobody done anything different with the the title mm-hmm. sequence in a long time, himself included. Uh, so yeah, maybe it was more inspiring than we thought. Like he saw that, and he's like, clockwork, everything clockwork. Every, you know, robots and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, quite possibly, I mean, it could, it could easily be dismissed away as a, as a goofy rumor, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because they've been tying in a lot of stuff and uh, that definitely seems to be one of the themes for sure. It would make Uh, for a very difficult moral point for the doctor at the season finale, of course, wouldn't it? Of course. Uh, Because his contention with the Cybermen, with the Daleks, with everyone else is that they are, you know, going around killing people, and of course, n- not one of the people, or indeed the half people, um, that's been killed so far has been killed as a result of um, anybody other than the doctor. Um, and it's uh, and in any of well, I, I do wonder as well because I think a couple of it might have been the first episode when we were talking about the character of Missy, and of course the only connection that that name has with anything else in the history I can think of of Doctor Who is with the Cybermen. Right. She was taken by the Cybermen, a character by that name. Right. So, and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We did. We, we talked about that. How could Danny be a robot? You know, but we know Orson is, you know, his great, great grandkid with Clara. It's like, so it doesn't. Well, because he was once alive. Oh, okay. So they swapped him. But then wouldn't that mean uh, Orson uh, would have been I think dead? I'm gonna, did... I think I've got an explanation for you there, Aaron. Uh, one from the Doctor himself. Wibbly, wobbly, timey. Oh, curses! <laughs> that's one of the that's that might be the most beautiful phrase ever developed for 
a TV show that deals in time travel as well, because they can kind of just insert that for anything that confuses you. Uh, it's, my, it's, my to- it's my top favorite sci-fi time comment. The second being, um, there's no time like the present, as they say in the temporal physics department. Oh, right. <laughs> Every episode we will mention Star Trek. No, sorry, guys. <laughs> it's almost impossible to not mention. Uh, hey, I mean, we're talking about franchises that are essentially the same, have the have almost the same uh, longevity. So, yeah, they're in the public conscious for sure. Um, Aaron, anything else uh, stand out for you in the episode? Uh, stuff that caught your eye? or uh, 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 He mentioned River. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, oh right, yeah. right, yeah, he totally, yeah, and that scene where he, uh, um, he mentioned that he had to live with otters once because uh, yeah. him and River had a for a summer, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, she's like, uh, humans aren't otters, and he's like, yeah, I know, it's gonna make this a lot easier. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, and yes, and of course, the thing we like to point out, Aaron, continued in this episode. Uh, the doctor's kind of a jerk to Clara an awful lot, especially about her physical appearance. Um, I love it. It, oh, it's so just it. it yeah, it's kind of it's kind of different. I mean, it's not like you know previous doctors where you know he hasn't choked her, you know, <laughs> done any any like another number of horrible things to her. He just kind of he flips her some shit. You know, it's it's kind of a nice dynamic just given the doctors' relationships. Like you know, since the series relaunch, they have such uh, they have such good chemistry. I that they do. I like that scene where she. It's like right away when she comes into the TARDIS looking for her next adventure, and uh, he's like. Uh, he says something along the lines of like, oh, if you had a wash or something. And she's like, wait a minute, why are you being nice to me? And he goes, oh, it works on you. Uh, uh, I'm like, jeez, that's that's so great. He's he's just saying I'm being nice because I know that, um, you know, like that, like it works on her. Uh, I like that that's his perspective, like being nice uh, works on Clara, like it wouldn't work on, you know, every other anyone. <laughs> that's just how he looks at it. Like, well, it works with you. Right. Um, oh, it's it's. They have such good chemistry. I I like it a lot. It's now, her. She's leaving, right? I, uh, I th- isn't the first episode her last one? I mean, basically, she's uh when they're doing the interviews, right? She's doing the uh the non-committed answer essentially, which is like, oh, we're gonna have to tune in. I really like all this speculation, but if you want to find out, you gotta watch. Which um usually, I think means yes she's definitely leaving the show yeah uh but you never really know i guess for sure now but i think it seems like you know her her time is probably her time is yeah. probably up here which um now i feel kind of torn on because i feel like i'm just starting to really get into that character and really like it a lot uh which is a shame um it's it's not like how i feel with uh, a doctor when a doctor's leaving where it's like you know i, I spent so much time with this character and i don't want it to go uh mm-hmm. because of fond memories or whatever but with her i feel like i'm we're just starting to like dig into it a little bit and she's interesting isn't it rather than uh, right yeah there's no sort of I, I i know what you mean i don't have any sort of emotional investment in her character in the way that right uh, i think everyone did by the end of uh rose tyler and um uh, and so on but i never liked this... noble yeah yeah what? Um, Sorry, that this must be a terrible Skype line. Did I just hear Aaron <laughs> say he he never liked Rose? Not really. That, that's heresy. <laughs> she was a that's pop it. singer, Aaron. Everybody. She was. She came from she came from the lowest depths of of pop culture and rose to the highest of highest of peaks. No, I mean, I I, I didn't hate her character or anything. I, I just didn't. I, just I, I didn't. I didn't heard care you say for... you hated her. Yeah. No. 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 What's your what's your Twitter uh, uh, name again? Just so listeners. Prophet of Geek. There you go. Prophet of Prophet of Geek, ladies and gentlemen. All hate tweets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, if you don't love her, Aaron, you hate her. Apparently, is the uh... yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I, I get it. You're saying you're saying it didn't. She didn't really click for you or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think uh, you know there might have been a couple. They could have just cast it a little better. Like the character itself was fine. I just you know, Billy Piper. I just didn't care for. I'm a I'm I'm a bit of a homer when it comes to Doctor Who, uh, in so much as that I'm uh, I I struggle sometimes to find things that I dislike about the show, um, and I, I've kind of liked all of the companions in one form or another. Uh, at least what about the, Catherine Tate? Loved her. I, I don't know. Yeah, I liked I liked her. Um, I mean, she was um, she was different for sure. But did you have uh, her comedy show there before before she was in Doctor Who? I don't think so. In fact, I, I, Netflix, ah, that might yeah, explain uh, it. I, 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 I love her. Place. I love her comedy show. 
Did you not think, Aaron, that um, I, I don't know which order you watched them in, whether you watched her in Doctor Who first, but I watched um, her in Doctor Who first. Right. Okay. I think if it was the other way around, um, I, I I know I did, and I think quite a lot of people over here did, sort of found that she was doing Catherine Tate as in her, you know, her oh, from various comedy personas a little bit too much in. Right. In that, you know, the whole. Uh, oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was again. It's the distraction element, isn't it? Because the thing about Doctor Who is, as with all sci-fi, I guess you kind of want to feel slightly immersed in the sci-fi universe. The fo- the fourth wall must remain well and truly in place so, in right. sci-fi. And if she breaks into something, looks a little bit one of the one of the characters she does, it takes you out of it. Okay. I yeah, there was I, there was one bit in particular. Is what might have been the first time she was in it, and she, there was a line in it very similar to the whole "I'm a bothered." Something oh. from you know from her from her show, right? And it, it was just that little bit too much. But then again, you know she, right. she was she was still very good, right? And I mean, if you're not uh, like like I was anyway, I I'd not seen her in anything else. I, I mean, I know she did the uh, she did oh, it, the last couple. Do of seasons. yourself a favor and check out the Catherine Tate show. She is really yeah, yeah. something. I, I know she did. The, I know she did like the last couple of seasons of the American version of The Office, which um, did she? I, yeah, yeah, she did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she did the uh, she did like the last couple of seasons uh, of that show, and I saw her there a few times. Uh, but that was after I'd seen her in uh, in Doctor Who. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I did I did not have that frame of reference, so it just seemed like an all new thing to me. Uh, but yeah, I can see it like from the from the opposite perspective, where if it felt like she was sort of playing, I mean, because I've seen people say the same thing about Peter Capaldi. I've seen more than enough mm-hmm. people that are like, oh, he feels like he's just doing. Uh, uh, PG Malcolm Tucker. Uh, it was probably made worse by Chris Addison now appearing in Doctor Who. Because <laughs> he was yeah. in uh, the same show, of course. Right. Um, so, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I guess I kind of see that. Uh, but, you know. I, I have a this... watch of it before next week's show, if you get a chance, and see see whether you, you kind of see what I'm seeing in it. it right. It, just a little bit too much. But uh, she was still she was still great, but and there was a kind of nerdgasm moment when you see her, um, you know, sharing a, a scene with um, with Billy Piper. Right. Yeah. And may, maybe Clara will become because I, th- I think Billy's more or less said she's done now. Right. Because um, she forgot how to do even the accent on the last uh, the last one, I think. But right. uh, maybe maybe Clara will become the replacement for Billy in future. Uh, I, I, you know, I, love, I actually episodes. really like Billy Piper. I thought she was one of the better parts of the uh, of the fiftieth. I thought she was really great in that. She was good in that, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, okay, so the, the other thing I wanted to mention, I, I've seen more than more than a couple of articles that have asked, uh, and and Ben, you kind of pointed this out when you mentioned that they moved the the time up, and it's definitely a late hour airing here. Um, a lot of people have asked, is is Doctor Who no longer a show? that is appropriate for for kids and i think when they say kids i don't think mm. they mean tweens or above i think they mean kid kids yeah, uh, yeah like is the show no longer appropriate aaron what what do you think is the show uh is the show uh now aged out of out of the small kid demographic what was the demographic like when the show first sort of first hit was like under 12 like is that what they're yeah. what the show, well, the show well, was geared towards well because i think when the show originally started um, the first go around wasn't there some sort of aim for it to have some sort of educational bend or something like it was going to be kind of yeah going to have a lot of historical elements and then obviously it kind of became more of a you know a straight up science fiction show with aliens and robots and things like that as well but um, I, I still think it kind of maintained this level of you know you know family friendly child friendly like I don't think the show as it is now is not family friendly but um, you know, maybe for smaller kids, I, you know, I think it's probably a lot scarier maybe than it used it, to be. I don't right. know. Well, I mean, but, but here's the thing though. I mean, it, it, the show has gradually gotten darker. Like this whole uptick has been building like since the series returned essentially. And there's been dips here, there with different comedy breaks and all that. But I mean, it's not like, you know, it, it, Matt Smith, like, you know, while, while he played the doctor rather lighthearted, he had a lot of very dark moments in the season. So to me, I mean, it's just the like the show growing, like essentially with, you know, the, the people who were kids uh, when, you know, uh, when Chris Freckleson first, you know, started again. And now that we're kind of grown, they're, they're kind of growing up with the show. So, I mean, I think for littler kids, it'd be something, yeah, it, it probably is a little bit too much for them, but you know, 
luckily they can go back and start with some of the lighter stuff and build their way in. So, I mean, it, it's just, I think that the show might not be as popular as what it is globally if it was still, you know, the, the, the children's show. Um, like it, it, it's got to mature. So, I mean, I, I, I think it, uh, it definitely is. It's grown, but, uh, you know. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's aged itself out of that. I mean, because, um, Ben, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've always heard that, you know, even though it was considered a family-friendly show, you know, kids were still mm. terrified of Daleks it, and Cybermen. It depends, and... it depends how far back you want to go, because if, you, if you're looking since the reboot, um, so from the start of Eccleston's uh, time, mm-hmm. then, yeah, I think overall, I'll I tell, I tell you what it is. Doctor Who has always, right since the very first episode of the first series, has always been a kid's show, but one that pushed the boundaries of what kids would find frightening. I mean, you know, the whole the whole British thing, it's as it's part of the British psyche that Doctor Who, the next thing that someone always mentions is, you know, hiding behind the sofa, watching that as a kid. Um, It's you know, it's ingrained. It's uh, it's part of British identity, I think. Um, Now, the way they did that of course back then was a sense of impending doom and you know there's a, there was a tension the, the chases the uh the things like that now as time passed um all the way up to probably the 80s episodes um the colin baker stuff sylvester mccoy um things started to get slightly more um about what was being shown rather than um Sorry, I'm looking at my window and just watching some random person looking at my car. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> you can cut that out. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it started moving on to what was visually um, there. So stuff like uh, the slightly more frightening looking aliens as opposed to the ones that had, you know, indicators from a, from a 1970s mini as eyes right. um, and stuff like that. But then, of course, with this reboot, we, we got the thing that made it big was not just the writing. It was the fact that graphically this show is is just a different world. I mean, it's no longer bad guys who look like they're made of sellotape. It's uh, it, it's it, it's a it's a you know proper CG to the hilt show. And right. I think the problem that brings, as much as that's great for the development of the show, the problem it brings is that you can terrify kids through suspense and um, and things like that without crossing any boundaries. The second you start to show severed hands and you start to show people being shot in a way that we identify, you know, as as people being shot rather than ray guns, even um, you get into slightly more, I wouldn't say adult territory, but you you start to develop into something that isn't that original demo. So, yes, it's got to develop, but you've got to remember that for a show that to go 50 years you have to stay true to what it was originally to some extent. Otherwise, you end up saying, right, we're now going to, you know, take the chocks away. This will run for the next, you know, five, six, seven series. We'll keep on growing it, and then we'll pull the plug. That's fine if that's the plan, and that's what the BBC wants to do. But if you're trying to maintain the show in the way it has been for 50 years, you've got to not go too far. Uh, And I think anyone running the show is probably abundantly aware of that. Um, so the other, I mean, it's, uh, in, in a lot of ways, like I, I, at the end of the day, I think maybe it's just a, because the articles in question were, were asking, are, are the shows now too scary for, for kids? And I don't, I mean, like, I guess in some aspects, uh, perhaps, um, but you know, maybe just, um, being as desensitized to American television, uh, mm. as, as I am, it just it still seems like child's play. Like it doesn't feel like a kid's show for sure, but compared to most of the other things that I've that I watch on a regular basis, you know, it's it's practically like a G rated movie uh, over here, which, you know, it's it might as well be <laughs> it might as well be an animated Disney cartoon compared yeah. to uh, compared to, you know, The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or Sons of Anarchy or something like that, where there's just uh, a me- I mean, even compared to like Torchwood. Uh, Torchwood yep. is a far more adult-oriented show. Well, it uh, was, and the big the big differences in Torchwood is that you got to see blood and gore. Right. There was um, sexual content as opposed to sexual connotation or innuendo. Right. Um, there was uh, that the guns were guns rather than um, you know lasers or whatever else. Right. Um, and that's the difference. I mean, I, I was just thinking about this this episode um, that we've just seen uh, last week. Uh, was written by Gareth Roberts. Now he mm-hmm. 
wrote, he's written for Doctor Who before, but he also wrote uh, a whole stack of the Sarah Jane adventures. So this guy knows how to write that fine line. But if you go back to the Sarah Jane adventures, which I'm guessing they must have shown in the States, um, most of those... I don't think they did... Aaron, did they show the Sarah Jane adventures? I I don't recall if they... They did. Uh, not, you guys have got a it, whole it, lot of watching to do. <laughs> well, it, uh, Netflix. The, you know, the, the, that's how I saw it was on Netflix. Um, it's not, it's not there anymore, but it's on Hulu Plus now. Has all right. of the Sarah Jane adventures. So, because and some of them are some of them really do stray out of the territory of CBBC, which was the channel they were made for here, Children's BBC, mm-hmm. and they stray into the slightly more adult stuff, uh, especially the ones including um, people like David Tennant, because uh, of course they had the Doctor in some of those episodes as well. Right. Um, but this is the difference. It's not about, it's, as I say, even in G rated films in the States and, uh, things like Toy Story three, for God's sake, you know, um, there's, there's a scene in that spoilers, if you haven't seen it, but there's a scene in that. Yeah. 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 Which could, you know, for a five, six year old kid, that could fuck you up. I've seen people in their twenties and thirties, a little bit perturbed by it, but I mean, they had one of the most emotional scenes in a, in a, in a, in a, in a movie period. I mean, it's just yeah. ridiculous when they're all falling towards the, that molten fire pit or whatever. And they're all staring at each other. Like they all know they're going to die. So they, they hold hands. It's just, let me, let me tell you this. I'll tell you what, as much as that can fuck you up as an adult, let me just good. I watched that, um, whilst half conscious suffering from bronchial pneumonia on a flight back from Reykjavik. Um, I'll tell you what, it's, it's emotionally damaging when you're completely feeling fine. <laughs> I cannot begin to tell you how emotionally damaging that is when you're on a plane in that state. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the first nine minutes of Up? Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah, first, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. One of the most yeah. depressing beginnings. Um, but so this I is mean... the point, isn't it? Is All of this stuff is um, is emotionally engaging. It's, some of it's even disturbing, I suppose you might say. Sure. Um, uh, and so on. And that's all fine. The danger that Doctor Who has, the thing that will take it out of being, it's not a question of being too scary for kids. Kids don't mind being scared. The question is whether it is too um, too graphic for kids, Right. I think. And I think uh, the reason why they nudged, I, I, it's probably something to do with fucking X Factor or something, why they moved it the other night. But mm-hmm. I would imagine that one of the considerations will be there was the shot of the, of the severed um, PCSO's hand at the start of that episode. Or towards the start of the episode, um, that would probably, I would have thought, be out of the reach of the usual time slot for that show. Um, so I think a lot of people are sort of there's a lot of fuss and nonsense about it. The question is they they know that they have to stay within the boundaries that they're prescribed for them, and and kids like it. Kids enjoy being frightened by Doctor Who. Again, it's you know. Maybe it's just over here, but I, I think it's, again, it's part of the British identity to be frightened of Doctor Who. Well, I mean, interestingly enough, I mean, we're jumping ahead. Um, we're jumping, we're skipping over an episode here, uh, but it, just because it's so uh, easily ties into what we're talking about right now. Um, the Not the next episode, but the episode following that, which I believe is called Mummy on the Orient Express, <laughs> uh, according uh. to the, uh, according, which is an awesome title again, by the way. Uh, but, uh, according to the, the Wikipedia page, which also links to a, a news article in relation to it, uh, states that the BBC decided that the mummy was frightening enough to require a later time slot for the show. Uh, There's so a conscious decision there then. Yeah. Um, which maybe was the case with this last episode. Maybe they thought the, uh, the, the Scovox blitzer, maybe while in and of itself, not scary, uh, you know, it shot that guy up and turned him into ash and you saw the severed hand and. You know, maybe they thought that was too frightening for children of a, of a certain age. That, that will have been the scene. I can guarantee you that will have been the scene. That I mean, that's the only, right. That's the only thing, really, that I can think of uh, yeah. as well. Um, okay, so scores for The Caretaker. Aaron, what do you what do you give it? Four and a quarter. Uh, big fan, huh? Yeah, uh, I really liked it. Okay, Ben, uh, what do you got for this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to um, I'm say it's every bit as good as Time High, so I'm going to say four and a half. Look at that. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go same same thing as well. Um, it was, um, I mean, it didn't have the. Uh, and by the way, I for clarification, four and a half. Yes, I instead of just saying the same, I'll say four and a half as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's different from Time Heist in that it. Um, I I didn't feel like it necessarily had that uh, the Russell T Davis David Tennant vibe in this particular story as much as Time Heist did, but um, I just thought the. 
Um, you know, because the uh, the Blitzer was just the the MacGuffin for this episode, the reason for all of these characters to to come together uh, and meet each other, just the development they did and the way all of those guys bounced off of each other, and uh, it just they just worked so well. Um, I, I, I'm giving it a four and a half just out of the sheer excitement I have for seeing them interact in further episodes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm uh, absolutely just a hundred percent excited uh, to see where we go from there um let me see i'm trying to think if there's anything else of note i i think that might be it um how exciting is series eight episode seven i'm looking at the the preamble for it uh at this very moment it starts at 8 30 in the uk tonight Indeed. which uh, again is again it's a later time which having looked at the schedule i'm guessing it's because of uh what we call strictly come dancing which you call dancing with the stars i think yeah, yeah, we got yeah, that. We, we got that. program, but anyway. <laughs> um, uh, well, well, now in America, it's uh, they should really change the name to Dancing with the Z-List Celebrities. Uh, I do believe when it started, the people that were in that show may have been considered stars, but, uh, uh, I mean, uh, but no longer. Tammy Chong and, uh, and uh, Carlton are on this season. Okay, well, they, oh, really? Carlton? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's, that's pretty Alf- cool. Uh, Alfonso- Although that is... Alfonso Ribeiro or whatever his name yes. is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. He's. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm now looking through who who's on ours because I've never watched this show. It's. Uh, uh, I'm just going to count how many of them I know. Carry on. If uh, if Carlton's in it, it's really not. Uh, unless there's been an episode where they where he dances to the Tom Jones song, it's really not. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, it's of no interest to me whatsoever. I, I don't care if this man can waltz. I don't care if he can salsa or, or whatever else the shit they do on that show. Uh, if he doesn't do that dance, it's it's just zero points for me right. uh, whatsoever. Okay, so yeah. There's 15 uh, people in ours, and I recognize one, two, three. Oh, it's got Scott Mills from Radio 1. Okay, I recognize four people perhaps from it. I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, I think this year we have like a YouTuber on, uh, nice. so that that just goes to show you the 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 depths the show is sunk to. Um, so yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna close things out for Aaron DeLos and Ben Knight. I'm Anthony Lewis, and we'll be back next week on Who Made Who, talking uh, series eight, episode seven, entitled "Kill the Moon." Mm-hmm.